Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, we've been uh, talking about things that uh, belong to us and things that we need to be aware of in as much as we are indwelt by the Spirit. Not the fact that we're baptized with the Holy Spirit, but the fact that He lives on the inside of us. And so what we're saying and what we've been talking about in these last few Sundays, this isn't something that is particular or especially uh, ours because we've been filled with the Spirit. This is equally available and necessary for every Christian, every born-again person, because every, every believer, every saved person is indwelt by the Spirit. And there are some things that, that come with His indwelling that we need to pay attention to. And, you know, very often as Spirit-filled people, we focus on the power and, and uh, you know, the supernatural, the gifts of the Spirit, signs, wonders, and all of those things. But the Spirit has a work in us that's important. And so the last thing we've been talking about is that we need to learn the way of the Spirit, or the ways, I should say, plural, the ways of the Spirit, so that we can trace God's hand at work in every circumstance of life. Everything that we go through, uh, even though God doesn't bring a lot of the things that happen, that happens to us, he works in those things. Because Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, in times of test and trial, he's just not there standing by going, well, I'm here. No, he has a plan to work in your life to bring you to maturity. And we've said that spiritual maturity cannot be achieved without suffering. This is a side of it that we don't talk about a whole lot. And so I really intended to finish up last Sunday night, but there's still a little bit more in me about this because this is the other side. We, we talk a lot about uh, in, in our uh, theological culture, you know, and the things that we believe we've seen from the word of God. We talk a lot about, well, you know, I'm just standing by faith. I'm making my confession. Bless God, I have it. And, uh, and that's usually all we say. And if we're not careful, we can leave the impression that uh, it's just automatic. And uh, we have seen through life's experience that, that uh, the blessings of God do not come just, they don't manifest just automatically. Amen. There's a time of testing. Yeah, that's the truth. Go with me over to, uh, go to James chapter 1. Like I said, there's just a few more things here that I want to, I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to pull out here. So be believing God with me. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy... When you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, or the margin says mature, and complete, 
lacking nothing. That should be our goal. Our goal in life as Christians should be more than just having our needs met. And and just being healed. And just having God's blessing. Though God wants us to, he's, he's obviously provided the blessings. But our purpose should be greater than just being blessed in these areas. Our purpose as Christians should be to mature. Pastor Greg talked about, read about this morning, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Notice it said, blessed is the man that, that uh, does not stand in the, in the uh, a company of, of the mockers and sit with the mockers and with the ungodly and the scornful and so forth. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. Now notice... It doesn't say, and he is like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. The person who meditates in the word day and night is not necessarily like a tree that plants by, that's planted by the rivers of water. It says, and he shall be. You know what it says? He shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. There's a process. There's a process. The faith life uh, will... Uh, leads us in a process so that we will be like a tree planted by. The reason someone is stable and mature and well-seasoned and, and is just steady in God is because he has meditated in the Word when it looked like it wasn't working. He stayed in the Word when it, when it looked like, he, like it wasn't working. Now go with me. We've read this about the... the, uh, uh, the the testing of your faith. Go over to First Peter, and let's look at the first chapter here. Verse six says, "In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you are grieved by various trials, that the genuineness." Now, that, that's the same word that's, that's translated trying and testing that we just read over in James 2. I mean, in James uh, 1 verse 3. Same word. So this testing, he says that the testing or the trying of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. See, your faith is precious. It's more precious than the gold you're believing God for. I wish I, does anybody remember, uh, any of you remember the quote from, from Bosworth when he said that, that the, uh, the things that we receive by faith, he said it's sort of like the gold in the, in, in the bank. He said something like the, the, the process of faith is like the gold. It's more precious than the thing we're believing for. The, 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 the process of believing and the things that we go through, he called it here the testing of your faith. He said, your, your, your faith is precious, but it's precious because it's been tested. Well, uh, when it comes to suffering, we've, we've been... We've been 
pointing out that we're not suffering sickness. When sickness comes into our body, we're not, we're not suffering the sickness for the glory of God. God doesn't send sickness and he doesn't, he doesn't commission sickness and he doesn't send and commission lack and poverty or any of the things. Anything that Jesus went to the cross to pay for belongs to us. Amen. It belongs to us, but it, it, there, the process of believing God involves suffering. So when you're, when, let's say you've got a, a, some type of grievous sickness in your body and you're standing in faith. It's the process of standing in faith that is, is valuable. It's, it, that's, that's the trial. The sickness is, is what presented the trial. So you might have uh, some kind of disease or infirmity. That's not precious, but being able to stand against it in faith, that process is precious. Smith Wigglesworth said that uh, great victories come out of great battles. Well, now you think about that. What is a battle? A battle is, is something that's contested. If, if every time we prayed, if every time sickness attacked our bodies and we just said, nope, I resist that in the name of Jesus and it just instantly left. Every single infirmity, every pain, every discomfort, anything, that ever, we just said, nope, I resist that in Jesus' name, I'm healed. And it just vanished. There's not much battle in that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. If that happened every time, all the time, automatically, it was that easy, where would the battle be? If, if every time you had a financial need, you suddenly found out, oh, I've got to have, you know, $10,000 by, you know, next week. If, if you said, Lord, I just need that $10,000, and about 10 minutes later, you hear the doorbell ring, and you go out there and there's nobody there, but there's an envelope laying there with $10,000. Oh, thank you, Lord. I knew that would happen. Well, you didn't, you didn't, the trying of your faith is, if it's supposed to be there by Tuesday and it's Sunday, the trying of your faith is on Monday and Monday night and, and midnight and seven o'clock on, on, on Tuesday morning when it's due. That's where the trying of your faith is. You see what I'm saying? That's where the battle is. And Wigglesworth said great victories come out of great battles. So even in those things that belong to us, even in the things for which Jesus went to the cross and he stood as our substitute and suffered in our behalf and he says, you are healed, you are prosperous, you have this because I purchased it for you. Even in those things, the trying of our faith is valuable. I remember when I was when I uh, when I was a kid, I had a, a, a chronic skin disorder on the backs of my legs, just right in the bend of my knee here on, the, on both of my legs, and uh, 
And it, it, it was there as long as I could remember as a child. My, my parents used all kinds of medications and did all kinds of things. And it was just there all the time. And it, was, it itched and I would scratch in the middle of the night with my... I would scratch the inside of one knee with, the, with my toes from the other foot. And I would do that all night long and I'd, I'd bleed and it just, you know, just almost raw like, you know. And uh, so when I was a teenager, my mom took me to a dermatologist and uh, he put, he, he, he uh, did some light treatments like ultraviolet light treatment of some kind. And, and it greatly helped. It started clearing up. But he diagnosed this and I don't, I don't remember if he gave a name to it. He said, this, this skin disease he said, is a result of asthma. He said, somebody in your, in your family, somebody in this boy's family, I don't know if, because my mom took me, my dad had already been, uh, had already gone to heaven at that time. And so he said, I don't know if it was your family or, or your husband's family, but somebody in this boy's uh, lineage has, has suffered with asthma, and that's what causes this. And I remember in, 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 when my mom told what I said to my relatives, they all laughed because I said, well, how, the, how about that? How great is that? Some people inherit money. I inherited a rash. <laughs> I think I was about 14. And, uh, but I never had asthma. Never had asthma, but I had this rash that he said that was because of asthma. I don't know how that works, but that's what he said. Well, when I went to work for the, for the phone company, one of the, the very first things we did, the first two weeks, uh, we were, went to a training uh, class, and, and our group that was there was, you know, about 20 guys that were hired, hired on at the same time, and I was, I was 17 years old, and all these other men were, were, were men. I was a boy, you know. And uh, we had to learn how to solder, uh, you know, connections in the telephone company, some of the connections that we made, the little wires, you know, we uh, attached things, had this little uh, uh, wire wrap gun. You stick the wire in the gun and stick it over the terminal and pull the trigger and it wraps real tight, you know. But some of them had to be soldered, some pieces of equipment. So I didn't know how to solder. Nobody else knew how to solder, so we had to learn. So they had this set up, this bench, you know, we walked, worked on. So we're soldering. The solder smoke is coming up in my in my nose you know and and the resin evidently the resin in the in the solder triggered asthma and I never I didn't even know what asthma felt like I didn't know I didn't know any of my relatives had asthma but I'm soldering and all of a sudden it's felt like my my lungs just filled up with sand or something I couldn't breathe I couldn't get a breath in if you've ever had asthma you know what I'm talking about I couldn't get any air in and it scared me and I and I, I got outside and, I, and I'm trying to desperately get air and I finally got a little bit of air in my lungs and it sort of you know kind of cleared up and so I went back in and started soldering same thing happened from that time on for the next several years I had asthma and I learned to stay away from the solder when I would solder I'd solder like this you know and blow and so the smoke would go away you know. But what happened, I started having asthma every spring, unrelated to solder smoke. Every spring when the pollen came out, I would, I would have an asthma attack. And therefore, I don't know, three weeks to six weeks during the spring, I mean, I would just have asthma attacks. Just, and I just suddenly I couldn't breathe. And it, and it would go away as soon as the pollen, you know, was, was gone. 
uh, and the summer came and it would go away and the next spring he'd come again. Well, when I got back in the fellowship with the Lord, I found out that I'd been redeemed from asthma. And so I went after that. I'm not having asthma. But you know, I, I, I still had asthma attacks. And I would stand against it. I'd make my confession. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. And, those, and that asthma would just persist. And, I, and I, so I went, I finally, I, I, I didn't want to compromise. I didn't want to take any medicine. I want, I want to believe God. Well, you know, I'm really young in the Lord. And, but I'm going to believe God. I'm going to get delivered from this. I'm not going to take any medicine. But I, I eventually had to find some help. There, back then, there was a, there was a, a, a drug called Primatine. And it had a little tiny pill. And I mean, it was a small little pill. I'd take that pill, and I'm telling you, in 10 minutes, all my symptoms would leave. And I got so condemned over that. I remember I told Ralph, my, my good friend in, in the church, he gave me my first book on faith and the authority of believer by Kenneth Hagin. We were driving somewhere, and I said, you know, I am so, I am so discouraged. I said, there's a little primatine pill. It's a little yellow pill, if I remember right. And it's, I mean, it's a tiny little thing. It's about the size of a baby aspirin. I said, there's more power in that pill than in all of my faith. I said, that's ridiculous. And, it, and I was so discouraged. But you know what? I kept standing in faith. Now, what was going on there? Now, remember I said that God will uh, allow things to happen to us. Now, you have to be very careful about this. God didn't allow asthma. Jesus went to the cross. He was asthmatic on the cross. He took all sins and, 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 and sicknesses on the cross. So on the cross, Jesus delivered me from asthma. Well, he's not requiring me to go through it now. What it was is my faith wasn't perfected. I was young in faith. My faith wasn't strong enough to reach out there and bring that manifestation. It just wasn't there. I'm developing it. I'm, I'm refusing to walk in the counsel of this world. I was refusing to walk in the, in, the, in the traditions of men and the thoughts of men. I'm meditating in the word day and night. And I'm getting hit every spring with asthma. And I I'd, I'd mean, I suffered, I suffered. But my suffering, was, my suffering was, was the greatest in the sense that I wanted to win this battle by faith. The suffering that, was, that, that I experienced in that, in, in, if you can understand, in my faith was far greater than, the, than the, the discomfort of not being able to believe, to breathe. That was annoying, and yes, it was, it was very powerful, but to me, the struggle wasn't with my, belief, my, my breathing, the struggle was with my believing. He said here, the trying of your faith produces patience, and, and, and the testing of your faith is precious. So the things that we go through in life, and so I said that so that you can understand, even with sickness, God doesn't send the sickness, but when you're standing in faith and you're believing God, you're growing. And you shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. The day came when I was completely asthma free. 
completely free. I went for a long time. Didn't I mean? And I didn't take anything. I didn't. There was no. I wasn't on. An, I wasn't on an inhaler back then. Just you know, every, when it got really bad and I just couldn't take it anymore, I just couldn't breathe. I thought I was going to die. I'd take that little primatine pill at, as a last resort, re, a resort, and then I'd be all condemned and aggravated with myself. But you know what? I kept believing God, and that left me. Now then, for 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 in the eighties and nineties, every now and then, I'd have an attack. But you know what? I, I continued to stand. I continued. I said, no, I've won the victory over this. I've won the victory. Jesus took this. I've beat this by my faith. I'm not taking So it would come back every now and then and try to hit me, excuse me, in the spring of the year. And I would say no. And th- this, this would happen every few years. It's been, I can't even, I can't even think how long it's been. Now it's been so long. The trying of my faith brought me to a maturity in that area. And the, and, the, and the truth of the matter is, because we're faith people, we talk about believing, we receive it, and speak it, and thank God for it, and that's the end of it. Well, that principle is true, but, but we have to start talking about the other side of this. So because people can, can be very discouraged. I was very discouraged during that time when I should have been rejoicing. I was condemned because I thought, you know, I'm just a failure. No, I was growing. That's what was happening. I was growing. But I was condemned and unhappy with myself because I hadn't heard the other side of it. Amen. The trying of your faith is more precious well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I said last week, you know, that when we, that when I left the Western Electric, which was the installation arm of the Bell System, when I, when I left, it wasn't a trial to me. We had a pretty good life. You know, we didn't have a lot of extra money, but we, we, we were doing okay. And I quit that job and, and went to Raymond. Now, now, Angela struggled with this a little more than I did, but even she didn't struggle a whole lot. I think she just thought, well, you know, maybe Edwin's got enough sense. He knows what he's doing. I don't know. But we went to Ramah. I didn't, I didn't struggle walking away. God did a couple of things that, that really encouraged me. One thing was I had a desire. I didn't have a decent cassette recorder, portable recorder. Back then, if you went to, to meetings, you know, instead of buying the, the cassette tapes at the table, you just recorded them. Live, you know, and you put a little lapel mic on your on your shirt, plug it into a tape recorder, sit it down beside you, and just record the the service. Well, you could do that at Rainbow back then. And uh, a couple of years after I graduated, they stopped letting people do that. They sold you the tapes. But uh, I, I knew I could do that at Rainbow, but I didn't have a decent tape player. I had a little tiny tape player, and I needed a, a recorder. And so I was believing God, just believing God. I'm going to get this. And right before we left to go to Ramah, somebody gave me a really nice, it was about this big, about this wide, big old thick, it was heavy, but it was, it was, that was considered portable. It was portable. It was a Marantz tape cassette player and recorder. I mean, it was deluxe. It was high quality. Just gave it to me. 
And I remember when, when that happened, Angela's eyes were like, wow. She'd never seen anything manifest that quickly. We'd been, you know, just believing God for a few weeks and, and said, look at here. Look what somebody just gave me, a brand, I mean, brand new in the box. Man, that encouraged me. We're going to Ramah. This stuff is beginning to work. Glory to God. Woohoo! Then we had a house that we owned and we wanted to rent it out because our intention was to come back to Jacksonville and, you know, live there and just see what the Lord had for us. So we didn't want to sell our house. We needed to rent it. And our intention was to rent it to somebody, someone and let them just maintain the bills, the utility, pay the electric bill, pay the telephone bill. So when we come back, we didn't have all those fees or redo things, you know. Well, you know, if you let the wrong person get in there, they can ruin you. Did they send us the money, honey, every money, honey? Did, we, did they send us the money? They paid the utilities themselves. Well, you know, that can get out of control real quick. So we, we needed the right person. So Angela and I were in agreement. We said, we believe that the right person to rent our house will show up. Somebody we can trust who will, who will take care of our home because we're going to be back in a year. And they'll, and they'll take care of our accounts and won't, you know, ruin our credit. And so people showed up and it wasn't the right one. They were either smokers or drinkers or just something. It's just, and I said this, I said, when I see the person, when the right person comes, I'll instantly know by the inward witness, I'll know this is the one. Well, people showed up, wanted to rent our house. Nope, nope. And it got down to, when was it? Yeah, we were packing up on Saturday. We left town with our U-Haul on Sunday morning early. Saturday, we were putting all of our stuff into the, into the, Utah, in the U-Haul uh, trailer and truck. Friday, we had that, that either Thursday or Friday morning, we were still turning people down. Nope, not the right one. Whew, that's getting close. And on Friday afternoon, these two ladies drove up in a Corvette. Remember that? Drove up in a Corvette. And they were roommates and they wanted to rent my... And as soon as they st- stepped out of the car, I don't know, maybe it was the Corvette, I don't know. I said, <laughs> I said that, those are the ones right there. I just had a witness in my spirit. We rented them the house. They paid our utility bills, our electric bill, our, our water bill, our telephone bill. Never missed a payment, never was late to us. It worked out perfectly. Well, that person showed up at the last minute and I thought, man, I've got this thing. I've got this faith thing down now. I know how this works. Woo! Well, we got out to Ramah. <laughs> and uh, long story short, Angela eventually got a job after several weeks. And we had, we had I had saved enough money. Actually, I didn't save enough money. I had a little uh, life insurance policy that wasn't worth but just a few hundred dollars. I cashed that in so that I could pay for my, for my tuition for the year right up front. Because I, I didn't want to believe, try to believe God for that. I knew we were going to be believing God for a lot. So I'm just going to pay that and get that off the table. So then we had a, a little bit of money to live on for a few days, but we needed, she needed to find work because I'm going to take care of the kids. You know, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to be Mr. Mom and take care of the kids. So finally she, she, she found a good job, a good paying job, and it was exactly half what I had been earning. And we had budgeted out, we, we can live on this. And really, it was better than what most people were getting. 
for what she was doing. So it was a good job, but it was still, and we, we rented a, two, a three, three bedroom, two bedroom townhouse. And uh, we had the rent on that, and utilities, and you know, all that, and two children. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. We, we had a whole lot, we had a whole lot more days in the calendar than we had money for those days. And, uh, you know, we got down sometimes where there was no food in the house. This didn't happen just once or twice. This happened pretty regularly. I mean, we'd eaten everything. If you opened up our kitchen cabinets, there'd be a sack of, half a sack of flour and some mustard in the refrigerator. Well, you know, you can't make a big meal out of that. And I'm not exaggerating. Am I exaggerating? There was, I'm not exaggerating much. There was nothing left that you could even make a meal out of. And uh, we learned to go to the mailbox expecting and to come away expecting. Because we thought, well, there'd be money in the mailbox. And I don't think there was ever any money in the mailbox. Maybe, Maybe once or twice. Maybe once or twice. But God had a different way. I remember I came home from, from Rama one morning or one afternoon. I'd picked Greg up. He was four, I think. And I picked him up from the daycare. And we came to the house and, and to the apartment. And, and Greg said, what are we having for lunch, Dad? And I said, well, we'll, we'll eat when we get there. We'll have lunch in a little bit. I didn't know what, because there was no food. There. I, knew, I knew there was no food. So I'll, huh? Pooday, pooday, payday. <laughs> Payday was two days away. And uh, so we're in the house, and I'm just thanking God. I went to the mailbox, nothing there. Came back thanking God. And uh, Greg's wanting lunch. So we'd been in the, in the apartment about a half an hour, and what's for lunch? I said, Greg, we're going to eat lunch in a little bit. About that time, the phone rang. And one of my classmates that lived in the apartments he said, hey, Edwin, he said, we're, we're uh, cooking some hot dogs down here. He said, you and Greg want to come down and have a hot dog? I wanted to just shout and run around the room. <laughs> but I said, uh, let me think. I, I think. Yeah, I think we can come down. I want to be. <laughs> See, I never wanted anybody to know my need. Because I've, I, saw, I found so many students, Raymond students, you'd say, how are you doing today? And they'd say, God meets all of my needs, all of my bills are paid, and we have plenty of food to eat. What they meant was their bills weren't paid, they were broke, and they wanted me to know it. They wanted somebody to know it. That was a, that was a form of letting people know what your need is so somebody will give you something. I didn't want to do that. I never did that. So when he said, do you want to have lunch? I said, well, yeah, maybe. I think we will. Okay, I'll let you know. <laughs> I said, Greg, we're going to have lunch. <laughs> but you know we learned through those things because when we we didn't know we were going to be starting a church a year later we didn't know we were going to be responsible not just for our own budget for but for the budget of a church we're going to have to have faith for for a whole lot more money buildings and and salaries and staff I and mean, we didn't we had no I never even envisioned that I just figured I'll just go out and minister and go to churches and they'll receive an offering and I'll, I'll just believe God. But I didn't know I was going to believe, believe in God for other people. But we had to prove ourselves. And, and those, those things, I said all that to say, those tests and trials are, are a form of suffering. You suffer through the want. You suffer through the... the, the, the uh, the screaming contradiction 
that is in your face and in your ears and running through your mind. And every time you wake up, you hear, what are you going to do? I remember Dad Hagen. He used to say he went all over the country preaching prosperity. He had gotten revelation on prosperity. And he said he, all he, had, he, he said he had one pair of shoes and there were holes in the both of them. And he had a hole in one pocket and a dime in the other. He, didn't, he was anything but prosperous. He said he had an old piece of junk car. He would drive down the road and, and he had four bald tires. And he said, they, that, that, he said, you know, you could have a blowout any time. And he said it seemed like he could hear. It was the devil mocking him. It seemed like he could hear as he, rode down, as he drove down the road. One of those tires would start saying, what you going to do now? What you going to do now? He said, I'm going to believe God's what I'm going to do now. About 10 miles down the road, the other, the other tire would, would join in. It would be a duet. What you going to do now? What you going to do? He said, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to go over the top. About a half an hour down the road, that third tire would, would pitch in and be the trio now. What you going to do now? The fourth one, what you going to do now? He said, you know, he, he didn't look prosperous. What was he doing? He was growing. He was coming, he was, he was being matured through the things which he suffered. He finally sold that, that, that old piece of junk for junk. Just sold it for junk and went off, went off on foot. He said it just started out on foot. Didn't have a car after that. Had wife and children trying to serve God. Those things make you strong. So whatever it is you're going through in life, amen, stick with it. Stick with it. You know, we've had, we've had a lot of, of tests and trials in ministry. I was thinking about, uh, you know, being, being in the perfect will of God is so important. There's nothing like, the Bible talks about the good and the acceptable, which would be the permissive and the perfect will of God. Romans chapter 12. Getting into the perfect will of God is worth everything. We'll say that again. Getting in and finding and living in the perfect will of God for your life is worth everything. It's so important. The reason that, that we are stable today in ministry is because we suffered some things. I remember, I've told you about this before. I mean, we have, we've had all sorts of things. But I remember one period of time, and I think it was in the, in the mid to late 80s, I went through a period of time for two, it was close to two years, the best I can, I can remember, that I almost never sensed the anointing of God when I ministered. I mean, I would, I would prepare on, you know, during the week, and I'd, get my, and I'd preach it to myself on Saturday night. Ooh, man, I'd get so stirred up, so anointed, I'd just sense the anointing of God. If you've ever preached or, or done pulpit ministry, you know that sometimes uh, you, you, you don't really sense the anointing, but it's there. Because people will come up and they'll say, oh man, that blessed me, that opened my eyes, man, that was wonderful. And you're thinking, I thought it was dead. You know what I'm talking about? But on the other hand, there are also uh, times, and in, 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 in most of the time, when you can sense the anointing. And it's gratifying. I went for almost two years and I almost never felt like I had anything. I'd get up and it was just like my words just fell out. There's no life. and The church seemed to be blessed, but I was miserable. And I, that would go on for several weeks. I would 
just cry out to God. And then we'd have a, a, a Holy Ghost service. And the Spirit of God would just move and I'd get all, you know, uh, uh, you know full of joy again. And the next Sunday, same thing. That went on for almost two years. And you say, well, what was that about? I don't know. I don't believe God was withholding his anointing from me. But I know this, that that developed a stick to itness in me. Because, I mean, I wanted to quit. I thought about quitting. You've heard me talk about that. I would be in the pulpit ministering and there's those two doors behind us, you know, on the, on the platform. And that, that door on my right went out into the, uh, through the little room and then downstairs. And I, right in the middle of my message, I would look over my shoulder and look at that door. And while I'm still talking, I'd think, I'm just going to have everybody bow their heads. And I'm going to go out that door. I'm getting my car and leave. And in a few minutes, they'll, they'll say, well, where's, they'll look up and I won't, I'll just be gone. Then I'd start laughing. And the church didn't know what I was laughing, but I'd start laughing to myself. And that brought a little relief to me, you know. And uh, people didn't know what I was laughing about. But, but you see, going through tests like that make you strong. I think about these guys that have to play second fiddle. It's not easy to know that you've got the call of God on your life and the anointing of of God, and yet you have to be the second man. You think that's easy? That isn't easy. Or the third man. That's tough. It's tough to stay. And I know Pastor Greg can... And Amy, they can look, they can think, well, look where we could have been. That's that is not that's that's suffering. It is. I've known so many men who've gotten out of that place. So, well, I'm just not doing this anymore. I'm going to launch out and start my own ministry. Well, there may be a time for that. If you get out of your timing, it can ruin your life. I know of pastors that. That uh, pastors that they they weren't happy with what was going on in their church. Things weren't happening. wasn't growing fast. People weren't doing this or that, and they and they jumped ship. Been pastoring three or four years, and just leave. I'm just going to resign here. I'm going to go somewhere else. I've watched them time and time again. They floundered for years. This one man I'm thinking about pastoring in Florida. He was one of the early Word of Faith guys in in Florida. Had a good church. He was fairly well known because he was one of the first. He was here before I, you know, in Florida before I was ministering. People knew his name, you know, and he he had he had a great uh, ministry ability, and he pastored three or four years. Something he just wasn't happy, and so he just left. Going to go out and start another church. You know, it never did amount to anything. Eventually, he and his wife got divorced. Now, were they having problems before that? Probably, but if you get out of the will of God, it can cost you. He floundered around for 20 years until he finally got back into a place and settled down and, and, and started doing right again, got remarried, got his life straightened out. But look what it cost him. I've known of pastors that leave a church because it wasn't just hopping and explosive. They thought, you know, surely in, in a year's time we're going to run in 500. In two years' time we'll be 1,500. And then after, five, after two years they were running 70. So they got discouraged. They would go somewhere else. And they go from place to place to place. Now, you find out where God wants you. 
and you stay with it because it'll pay off. I think of Ike and Cindy Cool. My Lord, you talk about suffering with the, with the insane Canadian COVID restrictions. Now, they live there in, in Quebec City. It's like Quebec takes the most stringent, the most ridiculous restrictions that Canadian government can come out with, and they double them up. I mean, it's insane. They can't go outside. They can't go, they can't go out to eat, can't go to anywhere except basically to a, a gas station and a grocery store or a pharmacy. It's the only place they can go. You think that's, you think that's easy to do? When they could not only move back to the United States, but they'd come back to Florida in the United States. We're like, we're like the Mecca of, of Keith, Keith Hersey said when he came here a few weeks ago, he said, when I got off the plane in Florida, it was like I'd entered into a new land. He said, you could feel the liberty. You could feel, coming from California. He said, you could feel it. He said, this is amazing. Imagine, I imagine I can send you is probably reminded of that from time to time. You think that's not suffering? But I tell you what, you stay with it, they stay with it, you stay with it, payday's coming. Payday's coming in your job. Payday's coming. Some people quit because they can't get along with anybody. Well, you know, that's part of spiritual growth. Learn to grow up and shut up. Those go together. Well, amen. I don't know who needed that, but that's the truth. Learn to do your job. Keep your nose out of everybody else's business. <laughs> stay with it. If, if, if God's got you there, stay with it. Stay with your marriage. You do know, parents of small children, that life can be rough when, you're, when you have children. Sociologists will tell you that having the stage of your life when you're raising children is the most stressful on a marriage. It's tough. It's difficult. Stay with it. Stay with it. Payday's coming. Those miserable, aggravating little kids that just torment the daylights out of you, they're going to bring you grandchildren one day. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, there, is a, there, there are seasons in our lives. Listen to me. There are seasons in our lives that God allows us to go through. And, and they can be tough and it's real suffering. Stay with it. Stay with your marriage. Stay with your church. There are seasons... In a church where you're going to want to leave. <laughs> Had somebody tell me a couple of years ago, I just, I just don't want to, I have to leave because it just seems like every time you get up, you're correcting everybody. And I just feel like I get beat up. I said, well, you know what? It's just like in a family. There are some times when dad has to be dad. And there's a lot of crying in the house. <laughs> But it's not like it's not going to be like that forever. So there are seasons. And, and listen, s- stay with your church for more than what you can get out of it. 
Some people only come to church for what they can get out of it. Don't help, don't participate, don't do anything. They just come. Listen, but, but, there's, but let me tell you something else. This is what we've seen. There are people who we have seen over the years who've been a part of our church. They, they participated. They, they, they were supportive in their tithes and offerings. They participated. They were in the ministry of helps. They, they, they got involved. But when their teenagers grew up and left home, they were done with the church. Why? Because they saw this church as a place to help them with their teenagers. And when that need was met, they didn't need the church anymore. How many times have we seen that? A lot of times. And it exposes the real motive. You were never coming to be a blessing. You were coming for us to raise your kids. Because we have a dynamic children's program. We have a powerful youth ministry. We turn out excellent children and young people. There are people who come for that, and when they get that, they're done. Well, praise the Lord. Stay with. Stay with what you've been called to do. And be interested in more than your own spiritual gratification. Amen. Be interested in, what about the next generation of young people? So you got your children up and they, they managed to come through their teenage years sane. Huh? Slightly. <laughs> Most of the time. And now they're serving God and they're balanced and they're, we've, you know, you and we, we've put good things in them. They've made it. But what about the next generation? Be here for them. Continue to support the church for the other people. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? Amen, amen, amen. Well, let's stand up. Praise God. So much more I wanted to to cover, but let me just quickly see if there's anything I've got to say. (laughs) Uh, Praise the Lord. That'll do it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, you're so good to us. Thank you, thank you, Thank you for the trying of our faith. Thank you for tests and trials and difficulties. Thank you for the sufferings we go through that mature us, that make us stable and strong, that put a backbone in us. Where we're able to face the enemy in greater battles. And accomplish more for you. Thank you for that, Father. It's valuable. It's helpful, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for every test and trial that's ever come my way. Praise God. Even the ones that I was responsible for, you still saw me through. Even the things that I did created my own problem, there was still something to be learned in that. And I thank you, Father, for the learning experience. I thank you for it, Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.